Welcome to Narratives of Asia. A podcast where students of all backgrounds are invited to talk about all things Asia. This podcast is by Asiatic Affairs Society from University College London, or UCL, which looks to create open and constructive conversations on geopolitics, business, technology, environment, culture, history, and more happening in Asia. Hello everyone, I'm Karine and I'll be your main host for Narratives of Asia. I'm a second year European Social and Political Studies student and I'm from Singapore. And hi everyone, I'm Jia Xing, co-host for Narratives of Asia. I'm a second year Anthropology student and I'm from Malaysia. Our topic for this episode is Fast Fashion in Asia. Fast fashion is an extremely large industry in Asia, especially when there is such a large consumer demand for the newest trends. Today, we have a special guest with us who is passionate about sustainability and fashion, and we're really excited to have her with us. We'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Charmaine, and I'm a second year Basque or Arts and Sciences student. Hi, Charmaine. Thank you for joining us today. So I think let's just get started with the first question, and that would be, um, what is everyone's story with fast fashion, or maybe just clothes in general? Um, I initially started out just liking fashion as kind of a typical, you know, girly girl thing. And I got into, yeah, just um, styling my own outfits like almost every day, depending on the occasion and also just kind of chasing the newest trends. And eventually I got interested in the industry itself in terms of design and I make my own clothes. But um with exposure to kind of documentaries and YouTube videos, I started to realize that there are a lot of problems within the industry. And yeah, just re- with regards to exploitation, um, unsustainability. So to me, um, that just kind of almost ruined fashion for me until I realized there was a whole movement pushing for sustainable fashion. So that's how I got passionate about this. I think for me, I from a young age, I used to scroll through like Tumblr and I would see all these like really aesthetic outfits or like those outfits that the really popular YouTubers would wear and I would really want to wear the same clothes. So I used to shop um, from, now I know, a lot of fast fashion retailers like Cotton On, H&M, um, who all make use of a lot of sweatshops and etc. But obviously I didn't know about all these things when I was younger. But even now, I still really love fashion and I think it's also a way for me to like express myself. So my last purchase of clothes was honestly like two weeks ago. <laughs> and, and it was because I felt like, oh yeah, I'm missing like this piece in my wardrobe and I need it to pair with other things and so that I can like wear different outfits every time when I'm like out with someone. So yes, I, I do think that I buy into that fast fashion kind of industry and that idea as well. As much as I know now how bad it is, like for in terms of sustainability. And how do you feel each time like you have to wear the same set of clothes to meet the same group of people? Oh, um, I know that there's definitely some sort of stigma around kind of wearing the same outfit, especially with, you know, kind of the rise in so-called influencer culture, as cringy as that sounds. But to me, um, I started to really kind of build my own style on top of um, current trends, you know. So 
I actually think of repeated outfits as sort of my uniform, things that I feel really confident in, things that I just feel like the most me and also the most flattering for my body type. So yeah, I, I don't I feel actually pretty good about repeating outfits and it saves time as a uni student when you kind of want to get ready really fast after you oversleep. You just kind of know what looks good on you, you grab it and you're like, ah, and honestly, no one's really looking at you like in public as much as you think. So I yeah, I'm definitely for outfit repeating. I think for me personally, I I'm not sure where this social construct came about to like not repeat the same clothes whenever you go out with the same group of people and and I think it does affect the way that I feel about clothes as well I never really thought about it as a way like wearing the same outfit would be something that you choose that makes you feel the most confident and it's perfectly fine to repeat that and it's quite interesting to hear about that perspective as well because to me it's always felt a bit I'm not sure why, I don't know where it came from, but it felt a bit taboo to wear the same outfit. And I think I was worried that people would point it out and they'd be like, oh yeah, wearing the same shirt from like last week. But now that I think about it, I don't think there's any shame in wearing the same clothes again, especially if you feel good in it. And like washing machines exist for a reason. (laughs) We're meant to be (laughs) wearing That's true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. And like, whenever you buy new clothes, um, like the moment of happiness really only lasts during the moment of purchase. And also when you meet the group of people who have not seen um, this set of clothes on you before. And after that, it's just like any other piece in your wardrobe. So like, there's really no good reason um, to actually keep on purchasing new clothes when you haven't even utilized it enough to really bring out its own value. And I don't know, um, I guess before we dive um, deeper into this conversation on fast fashion and sustainability, I think it's quite worthy to define what fast fashion is. And um, so fast fashion apparels are affordable options for that imitate luxury clothing line. And fast fashion retailers have a, have, have a very high turnover rate that is driven by this un, unsatisfiable consumption culture that endlessly seeks for the newest and the best. So as we all know, this is why the fast fashion industry is highly, highly profitable. And um, given how this, how big this industry is with this huge consumer demands, this has led to the establishment of sweatshops or garment factories, most of which are located in Asia, in countries not limited to Myanmar, China, India, Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand. And in fact, some Asian countries depend on this industry for a huge portion of their exports, which means that a lot of people in the countries like Bangladesh and Cambodia are employed in these industries. And so I think consumer culture is one of the key components driving profits in this industry. And what do you guys think drives the need for people to make purchases, whether it is not just limited to clothes, but also maybe to do with electronics as well? Um, For me, I think media definitely has a big part in this. I think definitely, like I said before, the rise in influencer culture and I think haul videos on YouTube are like one of like a very, very prominently watched type of like category. And I just think, you know, when you're kind of when you kind of see an inundation of all these like images and advertisements for you to kind of buy into it, it it just really affects it and like I, like um Karen said, it creates like a taboo of rewearing the same thing. And I definitely feel like some companies they also kind of 
either play into consumers' insecurities or they play into, I don't really know a proper term for this, but they pretend to be relatable. If you scroll through fast fashion um, Instagrams like Misguided or ASOS, they're full with they're full of quotes that they're like, oh, just woke up or like tired. Like basically, like just really cliche quotes that somehow still appeal to their target audience. And I think, um, you know, as human beings, we like connection. So I think like consumers definitely kind of see an idealized version of themselves in a lot of fast fashion brands that push the idea of a trendy, effortless kind of look that people always seem to be striving for. Yeah. Um, like for me, I think one of the main reasons why people like to purchase clothes specifically is really to do with the self-image, right? People, some people think that it's shameful to not always be wearing a different outfit every time they leave the house. And some people also just like this rush of adrenaline whenever they make a new purchase. And um, another reason is like um, for you, Shamine, I know that fashion is a creative, um, self-expressive outlet for you, right? As with a lot of people. And, you know, some people embody their feelings and emotions in the outfit of the day. And some people also rely on dressing up to find their confidence. Um, like, I'm quite curious as to how you sort of balance out um, fashion as a creative channel for you and also against, like, sustainable practice in general. Oh, okay. Um, for me, whenever, like, people ask me this, I kind of just tell them about the same thing. Like, um, like you said, I've always thought of fashion, especially from a young age, like, before I found out about how unethical the whole industry was, was that I saw it as an art form, something that, you know, designers created and like you know um it's like a craft because i feel like the misconception with uh different types of fashion like fast fashion and luxury fashion is that people somehow think that fast fashion is not handmade i always see like those more ethical stores i'm pushing like the key the buzzword handmade but i think people forget that fast fashion isn't actually made by machines they do have like larger scales of operations but every single garment is always hand-sewn so yeah so coming back to that I always thought of fashion as like an art form as something very classy especially when you're talking about luxury fashion and to me there's nothing creative classy or stylish about exploitation and unsustainability so that's how I try to balance it and I guess for me because like it really is like a passion so I guess maybe that's what gives me the kind of extra drive to really challenge myself to not just buy things from fast fashion stores because it's really really easy to look so-called like trendy and stylish when you just buy what's under like what's new category on like a fast fashion website so yeah I mean I do understand why some people just rather not find the extra time because to them like fashion might just be you know a way to look nice if it's not like a particular passion but I mean, like, if you do, you know, like fashion, I, I encourage you to kind of challenge yourself to find different ways to, like, look your best, you know. Yeah, I think I really have to agree with the fact that fast fashion is, there's a lot of it that goes into making the clothes in terms of the manpower that's involved as well. Even though we think of these as very large scale kind of operations, but it's because they are very low cost and often the quality is like low to about like average quality and that's what makes it so appealing to the larger audience and what appeals to a lot of consumers because it's cheap and it's fast and it keeps up with the latest fashion trends 
And so that's why I think people are just so attracted to fast fashion as a way for as a way for them to express themselves or just for that kind of like retail therapy, that that idea that so that's why they spend more money in terms of the fast fashion industry. And I also think that something very interesting about scrolling through these Instagram pages of these fast fashion sites like Cotton On or Boohoo and etc. is that they've started using a lot of size inclusivity in terms of the models that they use. But I think that while that is a good thing, you cannot perpetuate inequality in one way, but yet still use sweatshops that perpetuate another form of inequality. I think that's very hypocritical in that sense from from my perspective yeah Mm -hmm. like we know that this industry is very very damaging like it's neither environmentally sustainable nor socially sustainable because of the conditions of of exploitation that goes into the production right but like at the same time do we ever consciously think of the environmental footprint or the labor that went into producing a piece of apparel whenever we make a purchase like let's just think about that for a moment because, like, to me, brands don't advertise or make transparent the production process. Like, it's hard to visualize the conditions that went into this production when it's just abstracted from the entire production chain, right? So, like, you really don't see the picking of cotton, the washing of cotton, the spinning of the fiber, the cutting and, and trimming of the threads, and, like, quality inspection and all the shipping that goes into it. And, like, I think this, this just obscures the very destructive process that goes into fast fashion production. I think in terms of thinking about the impacts of fast fashion when making a purchase, I think it becomes more of an afterthought, especially like what immediately once you buy the clothes, perhaps after seeing certain posts on Instagram and articles written about it, then you would think about, oh, maybe the clothes that I buy have a consequence to them. But I do think there's a lack of understanding and a lot of lack of awareness and education as to the concrete consequences of purchasing fast fashion and buying into the industry. Because it doesn't seem like there's an immediate consequence after you buy a piece of clothing that you can see and visualize. So a lot of consumers are unable to see what kind of consequence just buying like a piece of clothing could make. So we don't really consider like what exactly the impacts and the consequences are of um, fast fashion. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point as compared to like the low waste or plastic free movement, you can kind of see the effect once you throw away like a plastic bottle and you're like, oh shit, that's probably 10 other people going to be doing the same. But for clothes, yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. It's really hard to kind of actualize the impact of like fast fashion. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, we don't see, you know, the 10,000 litres of water that goes into producing one kilogram of cotton that is usually um, used to make one pair of jeans. And we also don't see like how 10,000 litres of water is actually worth 10 years of drinking water for one person. And when we contextualise it like this, I think we really see how, um, how this industry is depleting natural resources at a very catastrophic rate. And um, you know, polyester instead of cotton is actually the most popular textile used in the industry. And um, this plastic synthetic fiber, even though it uses less water to, to be produced as compared to cotton, but it actually uses a lot of oil to produce. And I think regardless of the textile in question, um, whenever you make um, the fiber, a lot of, in, in the process of production, wastewater will be generated. And if the water is not processed and treated before being released into um, the water into the water system, then this just means that um, toxic 
water and it's really lethal form is being released into into water bodies and you know like um, when this is taken to the extreme um, there's this river in Bangladesh called the Bringanga River that is um, now classified biologically dead uh, which means that there's no more dissolved oxygen and it's not viable for any form of aquatic life anymore because of pollution mainly from um, uh, from government factories that uh, release untreated water um, that, the, that was derived from you know washing garments and also um, dyeing the textile. Yeah, to add on to the point on environmental costs, I think uh, other than the uh, using cotton and etc., a lot of brands like Forever 21 use a lot of toxic chemicals, dangerous dyes and synthetic fabrics that actually go into the water supplies in foreign countries where the clothing is actually made, for example in countries in Asia especially, and also at home where we actually wash the clothes. So a lot of these toxic chemicals do go into our water supplies, which is really bad for the environment. I'm sure there's a lot more to the environmental consequences of this industry that is um, generally very devastating for the environment. And it also comes with this whole set of social problems as well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there was a statistic last published that 2%, only about 2% of garment workers actually make a livable wage, not minimum wage, like livable, which means they can afford basic things like food, shelter, water, and electricity which, I don't know, I think it's it's just really sad <laughs> that, you know, they're kind of producing all these trendy, like, so-called first world items, making us feel, like, good about, your, good about ourselves, and yet they're barely kind of making enough to live a decently comfortable lifestyle. Not even comfortable, actually, like a livable lifestyle. I think that's definitely... And a lot of them are kind of not allowed to be unionized. A lot of them get sexually harassed, and... I know one of the most popular documentaries about fast fashion is The True Cost. Um, I think it's available on Netflix, but there's actually another really good one called Luxury Behind the Mirror of High-End Fashion by DW Documentary on YouTube, so it's completely free. And I think in that documentary, they talk about kind of um, factory workers when they get injured because they the owners basically turn off um, like the safety device in certain machines. So there was actually a lot of accidents and they managed to kind of interview one of the um, workers that got injured. And the owner of the factory basically told him to make a false report to the doctor saying that he did not injure at work so he wouldn't have to kind of deal with like consequences and basically improve the safety of these working conditions, which I just think is pretty messed up, like going that far to cover your tracks and how you produce your clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of sweatshop workers are actually women. About 85 to 90% of the sweatshop workers are women. So some employers force them to take birth control and to take routine pregnancy tests just to avoid supporting their maternity leave or to provide them with appropriate health benefits, which is extremely dehumanizing to people. And it just flouts a lot of the labor laws that are present. And I think there has to be a lot to be done to protect these people who work in factories like that, to in to raise the conditions that they are working in. And especially also in terms of child labor, which is extremely prevalent in agriculture, which is where like how the like the cotton is grown to make clothes. So about like 98 million of child labourers work in agriculture, which is a startling amount, especially for children 
who are also not paid uh, in proportion to the amount that they work. So a lot of these social costs means that the poverty cycle just never ends and becomes a very vicious cycle where the poor get poorer and the rich get richer, especially from these multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more devastating when you think that like working conditions are extremely poor but in garment workers cannot help but continue to work in these conditions because they have to find a means of survival somehow and the only way in front of them is to work at government factories right and like i think to this point we have only just really just scratched the surface of um exactly how unsustainable and exploitative this industry is and um and these points that we have been raising are long-standing issues that the industry has been facing for years and i just can't help but wonder like has anything been done to mitigate or change the state of affairs? Like in recent years, we see brands like pledging and making making promises of adopting sustainable practices. But exactly how serious are fast fashion brands about environmental and social sustainability? Yeah, I I do think it can be quite disheartening. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in, and the three of us will be continuing our conversation in the second part of this episode. We will be discussing whether fast fashion brands are truly committed to sustainability, misconceptions of what ethical consumption is, and how the industry can move towards a circular economy model. See you in part two. Thank you all listeners for tuning in to this episode of Narratives of Asia. Dear listener, if you found this episode to be educational and learned something from this, do recommend this podcast to your friends and family by word of mouth or on social media. Tag us at UCL Asiatic Affairs on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to hear all of your thoughts on this episode. If you are interested in joining us on raising conversation about a certain topic related to Asia, don't be shy. Drop a message on our social media or email us at uclasiaticaffairs at gmail.com. I swear we're a cool bunch. Again, thank you so much for staying with us and stay tuned for another episode. We are Asiatic Affairs and this is Narratives of Asia.